0: Hello, you play to win the game.
1: I mean, listen, we're talking about not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about crap. To LeBron James! That was insane!
2: Officially insane, LeBron James! What's up, y'all, and welcome to another edition of Claws to the Wall here virtually because we're not in San Marcos over the summer but we're here still bringing you action co- uh, action packed episode of close to the wall with local and national sports and we got to start it off with some Texas State baseball because Levi Wells a former Bobcat just graduated, just got out of San Marcos after he was selected in the fourth round by the Orioles in the MLB draft just a huge you know accomplishment for Levi Wells, got to give him his credit, great Bobcat player. He's done a lot for this team over the past two years. And, uh, you know, I just want to hear y'all's thoughts on this player and what y'all saw from him, you know, this past season and what he could do in the MLB as an Oriole.
3: Yeah. I remember watching a lot of Levi Wells this past season, uh, going to games and seeing a bunch of guys behind the plate with the speed guns, a lot of scouts, Um, not something you normally see at a Texas state game. Not a huge destination for draft picks, and you know basketball, baseball, or football, or anything like that. But Levi Wells, a really great pitcher for this team, was the ace the last last year, and was the second day starter uh, two years ago, probably his best year. But this last year was nothing shy of greatness, too. You know, capped off with a a complete game shutout against Marshall in there. So now he he takes a big step forward to Baltimore Orioles. A major league team and obviously a a big, big thing for him and his family. And he's going to do great things, I think, as he, you know, progresses through the minor leagues to the next level.
4: Yeah, absolutely, Colton. I agree with you in the fact that last year, although he had a spectacular season this year, last year, it might have been what caught the attention of the scouts at the major league level because he had posted an ERA in 18 appearances of just a little bit over three. That's elite pitching if we're talking about, you know, collegiate D1 pitching. And then this year in 2023 in 14 appearances, 14 starts, he posted the ERA of just a little bit over five, but being selected in the fourth round of the MLB draft, you know, by the Baltimore Orioles. They have a great developmental staff, and I'm sure he'll have a great time developing down there in the minor leagues for them and hopefully be able to contribute in the future.
0: Yeah, Thomas, I agree with you 100 percent because. I know going straight into the majors is hard enough. That's why people – when people say that getting hurt in baseball is one of the worst things you can do, that means there are other people who want that spot and who want that opportunity. And as far as as far as far the Baltimore Orioles go, you know, obviously their double-A team in the Bowie Bay Sox and then their triple-A team in the Norfolk Tides. Obviously, Levi Wells is going to have to go through a lot of that. But, I mean – Second year in a row, we've had Bobcat players being drafted to the MLB. You know, we literally just saw Tristan Stivers and Dalton Sheffield get drafted last year. Now we just saw Levi Wells go this year. So, I mean, I mean, first of all, the Bobcats are on a roll as far as getting great recruiting and also uh, great players. And, you know, congratulations to Levi Wells. Yeah, unbelievable two seasons that he had these past two years and, you know, hope he does well in the minor leagues.
5: Yeah, I'm going to do a little plug in here because I actually just finished writing an article, which is up now at the KTSW blog, if you all want to go check it out. But um, Levi Wells is a guy who, you know, when he after transferring from uh, tech, he had a really good season, like you said, um, just hosting over just over a 3.0 ERA, but five ERA this last year. I honestly I don't know about y'all I did not see this pick or at least him getting picked up this early we got to remember that this guy is still a sophomore so I mean not the best 2023 season but somehow gets drafted in the fourth round and that's not to say he's not a good player and hey listen I think the thing we got to take away from this the most is the fact that the Baltimore Orioles have been like notorious for the for the past couple years of having a really good scout system and a really good farming system. I mean, look at guys like uh, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, Felix Bautista. Those are all guys that came up in their own system. So, you know, if the guy, if, if if the Baltimore Orioles see something in this guy, you know, that 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 must mean something.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I completely agree, David. And the fact that they got him in his sophomore year, I mean, this is you're, you're catching fire and you're catching fire early. If you're the Orioles, you know, you're getting a player that has a lot of talent and he has the accolades. There's multiple times where he's won all of a sudden – all Sun Belt Conference second team he's won third team first team I the, the accolades is endless for the past two seasons for him so um just uh, mostly in the past 2023 um, you know season for him as well but yeah just um, really great pickup and uh for the Orioles and a great accomplishment for another Bobcat and uh, once again like you know how Kobe just mentioned, Uh, Tristan Sivers before Dalton Sheffield. They're getting picked up in the MLB and no different for Levi Wells. So just uh, another um, amazing player to go to the MLB. But, you know, one team we have to talk about some changes going their way as well. Some new people coming in, some new coaching, and that's Texas State football. Um, Texas State football coming off of a pretty bad season last year. If I'm being nice and – Uh, Now they got some new coaching with Coach G.J. Kinney. And uh, Kobe, you know, he's been writing a pretty good article about the Texas State football team and the new additions they've had. You know, Kobe, what have you seen with this new team? And is this Texas State's year to finally get back into football? I mean, we have a new head coach that's coming in with, you know, a great UIW team and six other coaches coming with them. What do you think, Kobe?
0: Well, considering the fact that, that keep people and I hate to beat a dead horse, but the local kid here always always follows uh, San Marcos sports, no matter if it's high school or or Texas State. And honestly, just from the season that GJ Kenny had last year with the Encarnacion Cardinals, I think he can bring some of that uh, some of that nice offensive flow to this Texas State Bobcats team. And you know, you were talking about you know the article I'm writing. I'm writing about basically all the Coaching changes that have been happening because compared to last year, this year they actually finally have an offensive coordinator. Last year, they didn't uh the last year's uh coaching staff didn't have one. The only deep coordinator was uh Zach Spavidall, which was Jake Spavidall's brother. So obviously they want to bring a lot of momentum and flow into this in this roster. Plus, they have a lot of young guys that are on this coaching staff this season, like running backs coach Eric Stevens and then uh, cornerbacks coach Matthew Gregg and also safeties coach uh, Dexter McCullough McCullough, senior, I should say. And I mean, this is going to be a really, really nice change for this Bobcat team. I think we're probably going to see a lot more, a lot more. I know we saw a lot of running plays last year. I think we're going to see probably a little bit more of the passing game open up, especially with GJ Kenny. Uh, going at it, especially for uh, with Mac Lefwidge as well. So I think the combination of of talent and the offensive mindset for these coaches are going to be really, really special. Defensively, I'm not honestly too worried because defense was actually pretty solid last year. The only problem was is that they were on the field too much last year and they just got heavenly tired. But I think honestly this year, just offensively, I think we are going to see a lot of improvement and hopefully G.J. Kenny could bring Texas State back to where it was way back when, before before our time.
3: Yeah, Kobe, I think on top of the coaching changes, there's also been, you know, a, a lot of player turnaround when it comes to the transfer portal and bringing new recruits and stuff. Uh, on this this next year's team, you're going to see a few familiar faces with, like, Ashton Hawkins. Uh, Coach Kenny was able to keep him from going into the transfer portal. And, like, Lincoln Perry, Calvin Hill at the running back positions. But quarterback – is something that I feel like every year I look at this team and it's a big question mark going into it. And this year did not disappoint because Lane Hatcher is not here anymore. So I, you know, I also, if we're going to keep plugging everything, I, I also just wrote an article about the quarterback situation. Um, being the the two main guys looking to be CJ Rogers and Malik Hornsby. Those are the two guys that played a lot in the spring game. Uh, it's looking like, Coach Kinney's leaning a little towards um, Lee Hornsby the transfer from Arkansas, but we'll see which two of those guys or any of the other guys in the quarterback room is going to be leading this team as it's going to look a whole lot different than it has in previous years.
4: Yeah, Colton. I guess I'll go ahead and cap it off too, saying that I also wrote an article talking about the incoming transfers that came in from, uh, you know, different various universities. And then talking about the quarterback room as well, we can't sleep on TJ Finley from Auburn, the quarterback incoming transfer from Auburn University. Um, I believe this is his second time transferring, coming from LSU first, I believe, then to Auburn, now to here, making a stop at Texas State. So, you know, Coach Kenny, I'm sure he has some type of plan that he'll give each quarterback an opportunity to have a right to earn that starting quarterback spot. And then, you know, injuries happen and in the game of football is part of the game. So it's just a matter of time. So when you have to step up, when your number is called, name and number is called to be able to produce.
5: Yeah, they uh, they've definitely mixed things up for for, you know, the most that I can I can remember since I've been here and I'm about to be a senior. But it's going to be very interesting. What I think is important for the fan base and for the students is that we keep our expectations very reasonable you know just because we changed up a lot of things you know we fired we fired our coach we got a new quarterback um doesn't mean that things are going to get uh, substantially better now i do think that they can get better because we were as low as we could get last season but uh you know i don't i don't i don't want to beat a dead horse but i, I think it's going to be a better season for sure with with all the changes and and we're we're taking more of a modern approach to. To the game of football this season so i could see uh i could see some big changes for sure
4: and then that um, is oh my bad, go ahead no go ahead
0: i was actually going to piggyback off of what you said thomas about uh the new players here i do want to note that there was a lot of incarnate word players that did transfer from incarnate word to go play with gj kenny and i believe there's roughly I would say roughly about 10 players altogether that played at Incarnate where last year that transferred to Texas state this past year or this past off season. So I think that will bring a lot of momentum for this Bobcat team as well, because I know recruiting was kind of one of the big issues that Texas state has had in previous years, but now that since they've gotten a new coach and they've gotten new, you know, better results of recruiting, I think they'll have a much more stronger, stronger bond this season. I think.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And then also just keeping it real, being a fan of both Texas State football and as well uh, being a fan of UT football right down the street growing up being a fan of them. I have to say we have to look forward to Derek Brown, the edge transfer from Texas. Um, he was a freshman last year and that stack class, you know, he just didn't have an opportunity per se to rise up on a list of four stars and five stars, but having an opportunity to make a name for himself here in Texas state. He is somebody who has a high motor. He held offers from Baylor, you know, um, different D one schools like Florida state as well, Texas A and M. So this guy, he can ball and let it be known too. Derek Brown is responsible for a lot of those players being there at Texas. So I'm excited to see over the course of this year, his recruiting tactics and everything to bring players from Texas state as GJ Kenny would like to say, take back Texas.
2: Yeah, Thomas, I mean, you got me all, you know, hyped up and excited for Texas State football, man, the way you just said it. You know, it doesn't really feel like it's just a, you know, most teams during an offseason, they just have a few changes here or there. No, this is a complete and utter, uh, it feels like a rebuild. I mean, this is a complete, you're adding way new, you got a bunch of new coaching staff, you got a bunch of new players. And I mean, a lot of players that are coming from a successful team like UIW, it's super exciting. Um, I'm going to take David's advice, though. Keep my expectations low, Um, but you know, we're at rock bottom right now as a team. So it's going to be exciting to see where we can go from here. Um, The only way you can go is up when you're at the bottom. Um, But uh, you know, one team, that's looking to stay successful and they have been for the past few years and their schedule just got released about a week ago. And that is the Texas state volleyball team. Their 2023 schedule has been released a team that does not have Janelle Fitzgerald and Emily DeWalt on it anymore. The, that two, that, that senior duo, that was really powerful for this team, not there anymore. Um, and it's going to be an interesting start for the Bobcats. They're hosting their first game, which will be begin Um, as an exhibition match on August 19th. That's before its regular season beginning where they will go to Tennessee on August 25th and 27th, where they play against Tennessee Marist College and the University of Tennessee. And then they will be home for their Texas A. Invitational, which will be their first home series, which will host Houston and North Texas. Um, And so, guys, there's some really interesting teams on this matchup. It looks like the Bobcats will be playing against some some bigger schools like Houston, like Tennessee, and we'd like to see them play against some really big Division I schools. Um, and some other schools that are in different divisions like SEC, Big Ten, et cetera. Um, What are y'all thinking about this volleyball team? I mean, no more powerful senior duo between Fitzgerald and DeWalt. Who and how is this team gonna stay successful?
5: Um, I'm gonna go ahead and lead it off. I think that uh, I'm a big basketball guy and especially Texas State basketball back in 2021, 2022. And I'm gonna compare this to uh, Caleb Asbury, leaving leaving the team because you know this is the guy this was their guy and you know Janelle fitzgerald is is their their lady of their team so uh it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes like you said um very tough opponents very very notable opponents though so that's very cool uh you know i think volleyball and softball are, are the, the the two sports where where they see the most diverse schools in the country so It'll be pretty cool to see and uh, def- definitely interesting to watch uh, who takes who takes control of the locker room
1: on that team.
4: Yeah, I think it'll be definitely up for developmental purposes to see who will rise up uh, next with the departure, you know, Fitzgerald and everything. Um, with, it's up to the coaching staff, you know. You recruit these girls, and you tap into the transfer portal, and you try to do what you can to replenish, to try not to rebuild, but to reload, per se. So it's definitely going to be up to the coaching staff to make sure that he that they have these um, these girls ready to go. Yeah,
3: yeah you and...
0: mentioned. Go ahead, Cole. Sorry,
3: uh, you mentioned no, Emily Dewalt and Janelle Fitzgerald leaving, suddenly this team becomes a lot younger, lots of uh, sophomores and juniors on this team. I I believe there's only two seniors that are going to be on the team, uh, on a team that last year had a couple, you know, grad students on it. So I think two players that are really going to have to step up are Jacqueline Lee and Alyssa Ortega, both juniors, but got a lot of playing time with those, you know, veteran leaders last year. They're going to kind of have to step up and and try to keep the same energy around this team. It's the same coaching staff. Sean Hewitt got another extension, going to be around here for a while. So the player turnaround is going to keep happening and you're going to have to, you know, figure out a way to work around that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And the one player I do want to kind of also shout out a little bit here as possibly becoming a leader is Maggie Walsh. Now, if y'all don't know, Maggie Walsh is Coach Walsh's daughter. Coach Walsh, obviously, San Marcos High School football for – Marcus. So, honestly, I think that will have a big more impact in leadership role. I think she now needs to, you know, now that she has had that year, because she was only a freshman last year. So, her being, her, this is her sophomore year, I think her being a leader in this Texas State group, I think will really shine really bright on this team. And like you said, only two seniors on this team. Now it's time for all the younger people to step up and try to take uh, momentum in leadership in this volleyball group. And honestly, they have every chance to do that. And going back to what Justin said about their schedule, they it's going to be another, another tough schedule. You know, they're playing big time schools like Cal. I think I want to say, I want to say I saw Hawaii in that mix as well. Because I know last year they were playing big time schools like TCU and Alabama last year. So obviously they're doing this the same thing again this year. Oh, I'm sorry, Ole Miss was uh, I believe last year as well. So this is gonna be a really uh, interesting schedule this season but I mean it's nothing new from what they saw last year obviously they were very successful in the regular season and I hope we could possibly see a repeat of that this season and hopefully you know possibly get them to back to a Bell Conference championship
4: and honestly Kobe you know coach Chisholm she's absolutely the lady to get it done to be able to lead this team and do it you know with I think she is the longest tenured coach in all of I think in all of sports right now, from the D1 to D3 level, this is her 41st year with Texas State University. So that is an amazing feat in itself. And being able to, you know, have that continuity and everything, she is absolutely
1: the lady to get it done. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think the the foes on the schedule can be the same as – then, you know, from year to year, but, you know, this, with this leadership staff on the, on this coach, I mean, the leadership on this coaching staff is really what shines through. And I mean, this team, I mean, they've been able to be great no matter what they face. I mean, the years they'd even have Janelle Fitzgerald and, and coach uh, and Emily DeWalt, they still do great things. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I think this is still going to be a pretty good year for tech state volleyball and it's really fun to watch. So it, it's going to be fun to see. So look forward to that in August. Still got a while away. And uh, right now we're going to zoom out of local sports. And we're going to talk about the national sports scene. And right now it's the NBA Summer League going on. And there's some L- MLB going on. Got to say that for Colton, you know, obviously. But uh, let's talk about NBA Summer League first, because that's what everyone actually is watching if they like sports. So I'm just kidding. Uh, but Victor seven that 5 19-year-old from France, um, he's currently in Las Vegas, um the first night he was there, he shot two for 13 from the field. Everyone was like, who is this guy? Is this the right Wimbenyama from France? Um, but then in his second game, drops 27 points. Well, Justin,
4: hold on, real quick.
2: Yeah. Brian Winhorse said that Wimbenyama doesn't
4: necessarily he doesn't want to be 7'5 for some reason. They people keep trying to force him to be seven <laughs> five. is actually seven foot three. Okay, well, that's seven foot three, nineteen year old. I guess yeah, I thought it was funny. Had his shoes on. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny. Brian Windhorst. We're have to height check him.
2: <laughs> yeah. That is funny. He's taller than your average refrigerator. Uh, I can tell you that right now. in your your house doorway. Uh, but wow, this guy for the Spurs. I want to hear y'all's thoughts on Victor Wimbanyama. Me being a Rockets fan, also Colton being a Rockets fan, we are sad that Wimbanyama is not a part of H Town family. But Uh, He's still a great player to watch. What are y'all thoughts on his performance in the summer league so far?
3: Yeah, I think the first game was probably just normal first game jitters. You know, everybody that lived in Las Vegas was probably there to see him in this first game being such, you know, generational talent, people hope. Um, But second game coming out and, you know, putting up all those points like people expected him to, you know, the only thing that I – think of when I look at this is they just need to be careful with what they do with them. He's with the right coaching staff, I think. But you look at guys, you know, I hate to even put it in the air, but Yao Ming, way tall, not great health. Chet Holmgren was supposed to be this crazy great guy last year and, you know, was out right away because his body just couldn't keep up with him. So like I said, he's with the right coaching staff, but they just have to take care of him and don't overwork him now. So know they can reap the benefits later
5: I agree with Colton I mean I talked about it in the last episode but when you look at a guy like Wemby let's be honest you know you see the performance the first the first performance I think you could chalk it up just the lights being super bright on people like him people like him Zion LeBron you know everybody talks about their first performance and let's be honest this guy's this guy's potential is through the through the roof Um, I do believe that the only thing that can hold this guy back is injuries. And like you said, Colton, for his size, you know, you don't want to talk about it. Knock on wood if you're if you're a Spurs fan, but it's gotta it's gotta be in your head somewhere, you know, especially if you're the coaching staff. So I think I agree because I, I believe that they that he's done now, right? For the summer league. I think they pulled him after the second game. And I really like that move, you know. I uh I I don't like the Spurs. But that's a very good move because, like I said, I think the only guy, I, the only thing that could stop this guy uh, is himself, injuries.
4: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think I might be the only person on staff that feels like this, but I, I just don't think that Wimbiyama is going to be this next greatest thing, you know. Um, seven foot three, prospect, lanky. I think he doesn't even weigh. I don't know how much he weighs, like maybe 230 at the max is probably what he weighs. That 209. 209 pounds.
2: <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Right.
4: 73209. That's that's not getting it done at the NBA level. I saw clips of him trying to back down Brandon Miller against the Charlotte Hornets, that game where he struggled, and it it was pathetic. <laughs> it was pathetic to say the least. Brandon Miller, he nowhere near seven feet tall. You telling me you can't back down a small forward? So imagine at the NBA level trying to go up against the likes of Nikola Jokic, the likes of going up against Joel Embiid, the likes of going up against guys like that, Steven Adams. I I just
2: I don't know. Jonas Valentunas. No, I'm just kidding. Uh (laughs) but uh no um You know, what I have to say about Victor Womenyama is, yeah, I kind of agree with Thomas, you know, this is summer league. This is, these are summer league players and majority of these players that they're trying to even just get a chance on a team, you know? So he's not playing against true NBA talent right now, like, you know, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. So it'll be very interesting to see. Um, You know, I like the Spurs though. And I think, yeah, uh, what David said, his biggest, you know, enemy is himself right now. He could hurt himself out there. So Um, But with the Spurs management, I think they're really going to do well with young players. They always do. And, you know, Tim Duncan, you know how he turned out with the Spurs after being picked up by them. So um, and they're really good with foreign talent as well. So not surprised if Victor Wimbanyama does do good things. So just I don't think it's going to happen immediately, immediately like people are thinking. I don't think he's going to have this amazing year. I think maybe averaging 15 or 13 points per game.
0: So well to kind of go off what you said, how many years do you think it will take for him to get to his full potential then?
2: Oh, I'm a I'm gonna give it the average uh five to I mean, six years. Really? Five to more? six years, bro. When someone's in their fifth year of their job, you know, they're tired of it, they're out there just hooping, they just learn all the secrets, you know. I feel like they that's that's when they start getting to their prime. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in the new new era of the NBA, you know people get better really quick. I don't know, but.
4: Well, I agree with you though, Justin, because, you know, with those rookie contracts, you have team options that can be, well, two years guaranteed as a first round pick. Then you have team options for the third and fourth year. So by the time they pick up your team option, maybe as number one pick, I would hope so if they're picking up your team option in your fourth year, it's, it's your contract year. You're playing to see, you know, what you're going to be worth for your second contract. And a lot of players, you know, they don't necessarily get to that second contract. So that fourth year, it's really that make or break year to see what type of money you're going to really be making.
5: I, I think it also goes off of like like there's prime and then there's like peak. I I don't know how to describe it, but I think there's a big difference because if you look at the past uh, NBA Finals MVPs, Curry, Jokic, uh, Giannis, those are guys who you know didn't get in their prime two or three years after their rookie season, and they were good for sure, but their prime and I don't think I'm not that not to say that Giannis hasn't reached his or has already reached his prime but it comes like like you said just in four or five years or Kobe somebody four or five years in so I I, I think that's uh, I think that's an accurate assessment for sure I think he'll he'll do good but only five years into into the league is when you'll see like his prime sell
3: yeah and you got to remember he's coming into the league at 19 you know I know that's more common now with. You know college I feel like half the league is younger than I am now which is weird but uh, you know a lot of don't, don't feel younger bad a lot of younger a lot of younger players going in uh, and you, you got to look at it and think how many of those guys have you seen become an impact right away and the only one right away is like Luca or maybe Devin Booker both came in and, and made big impacts at a super young age like that also LeBron I guess when 20 years ago'm I'm, I'm talking more recently. But he's only 19. He's got plenty of time. If they keep him healthy, he can play 20 years from now. But he's got a long time to to get to that point where the fans all hope he gets.
2: Well, here we go. I have a a little debate now that I want to throw out there. Who would be – who's going to be the better number one – who will be in time in their career the overall better number one pick? Victor Wembanyama or Zion Williamson right now, you got to say it. Who's gonna, who is going to, who is going to have the better number on over overall pick like overall.
4: Honestly, even though I don't think he's going to be the next big thing, it probably will be Victor because I still, I just don't believe Zion can stay healthy uh, unless he cuts down on his weight and keeps it down. Then I'll change my answer design Zion because he's a spectacular, you know, player, a higher energy, high light film player. But being six foot six, I believe he is, and 275 pounds, that's a recipe for disaster. Recipe for disaster. So right now my pick is Victor with I
5: think I think the the question is pretty much who's not gonna get injured as much because that's why team, I brought I up
4: the
2: comparison
4: is because yeah. these two
5: guys are
2: injury prone.
5: I think that's what it's going to come down to. Dude, who, doesn't, who doesn't get injured as much? And I don't really have an honest answer just because I haven't seen Victor play at the NBA level yet. But if, we got to remember when Zion is healthy that this guy is the most dominant player on the court, no matter which team he is facing. So I think I'm going to go with Zion as of now.
3: Um, I think I'll go with Vic. Uh, Like you said, Zion has been so dominant when he's been on the court, but I, I forget how many actual games he's even been a part of. And now it's been what, four years since he's been drafted. And I feel like every time he goes out, there's like no timetable for his return. It's just kind of like he's out. So he just, he hasn't been everything that they wanted him to be. And I guess Vic has been everything they wanted so far in two summer league games. But I'll, I'll take Vic with the with the Spurs coaching staff and Popovich and all that. I think he probably has a little bit better luck.
4: In four years in the NBA, Colton, Zion Williamson displayed a total of 114 games. Now to put that in reference, there are 82 games per NBA season. So 114 out of a possible 328 games.
2: Wow.
1: That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Mm.
2: No, yeah. What I, I would say um, is that I feel like the one thing that Victor Wimbenyama is that Zion Williamson isn't, and this is the truth right now, is these European basketball players. I don't know what it is, their mindset or something about European basketball right now, but they're Europe Europe is pulling out some of the greatest basketball players. You know, Luka Doncic came, came into the NBA and he looks make it look like a, he make his first year he made it look like he was playing with a bunch of kids. So Victor Womanyama, I mean, he could do the same. This is another European player and the coaching over there is doing really good. And all of European basketball is doing pretty good over there. So we'll see. We'll see. It's too early to tell. He's only 19 and he's actually seven foot three, not seven foot five. I know now. Um, But let's talk about, you know, we're talking about the NBA draft, of course, and the NBA talent, like in the summer league. But we have to talk about the MLB draft that just occurred as well. Um, You know, I know colton and kobe you guys you know you're, you guys watch more baseball probably than i do but what are some of these picks that came out of the mlb draft that you're really excited for and um you know what did the astros get i want to know
3: yeah so the mlb draft was taking place the last few days i forget exactly how many rounds it is but way too many is the correct answer um but really cool thing to see was uh Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens went uh, one and two to the Pirates and the Nationals. The first, I believe the first pair of players from the same school to go number one and number two in the same draft, uh, both from LSU. Talk about the Astros. The Astros picked up Bryce Matthews, a shortstop from Nebraska in the first round, a great athlete, um, probably going to convert to the outfield from what I've seen. But, you know, I don't know out of y'all who watched the MLB draft, but you know, if your favorite team took a player, who's your who's your favorite guy you saw taken in the draft?
4: The Rangers pick Wyatt Langford from the University of Florida. I mean, 21 years old. Thank God he's not older than me because I would have made me feel extremely terrible. But yeah, um, coming out of Florida, I think he tied their school. I want to say franchise their school record for home runs with 26. I mean, the Rangers they're playing some great baseball right now. AL West leaders. Um, This is only going to make them even better inside of, like we were talking about farm systems earlier. Once he comes through the minors and develops, he will absolutely make an impact for the Texas Rangers. So I love that pick.
1: For me, I think,
0: um, first off, I just want to say that LSU had a great draft for them, being obviously in the defending national champions in college football, or college baseball, excuse me. By the way, congratulations to them. Um, but I think they really had an amazing, uh, pretty good draft. And also, uh, I think Colton, like you said, uh, Paul uh, Skinner's from LSU. driving to the Pirates, the Pirates need a lot. They really do need a lot. And honestly, uh, I think the Pirates could have potential in the next coming years if they do draft well. And also, I think that would be a really good recipe for them. But definitely, the number one overall pick was uh, was Paul Skinner's for. Uh, the Pirates.
5: I think it's uh, tough to talk about the MLB draft because it's one of the few sports where, you know, you drop the player and they don't come and make a big impact into the organization for the first two years, at least, and all these players have different timelines of when they're going to get on the field, talk about a guy like Paul Steen, I mean, this is a, this is a dude who can be on the field next year for sure. Um, His name's blanking me right now, but somebody just got drafted out of uh, Tennessee to the Angels. um, And he played the very next year. He's the guy that throws 105. I'm forgetting his name right now. But uh, in terms of of my favorite player of the draft, definitely Levi Wells. I'm just kidding. It's uh, Bryce Aldridge. He got taken number 16 to the San Francisco Giants uh, out of high school, James Madison in Virginia. And this guy, is a two-way player and we talk about guys like or Shohei Otani who is a two-way player and you kind of just want to see that trend continue even though I believe he's a once-in-a-generation player but Bryce Eldridge is a guy who could throw heat on the mound but can also play on the field and swing the bat pretty good. Six tool player in my opinion so very exciting and the fact that he's split down to 16 is pretty interesting.
4: Justin, do you mind if I pose a question real quick to you guys? Do it. Now, I don't know if you guys were paying attention over the All-Star weekend, but something really peculiar happened, and that is that the fact that the GM of the St. Louis Cardinals came out and said that the Cardinals are going to be sellers at the deadline. Now, I... I mean, we all know that teams kind of internally, they make that decision. It gets leaked to reporters and reporters, you know, they make that type of announcement. But for the GM of the team to say it, I mean, that's that's unheard of for starters. And the next question, I, or the question I want to pose to you is, for your favorite teams, who would you like to have, if you could, from the St. Louis Cardinals? I can go ahead and start and say that I would love to have Texas State alum Paul Goldsmith to be on the Texas Rangers, you know, as we try to make a playoff push and hopefully World Series push. So what about you guys?
0: Well, for me, uh, oh man, because I don't want to push Martin Maldonado out the way, but I would love to have Wilson Contreras on the Astros. I think that would be really really special if him and Martin Maldonado were a cool combination in the catching position, I think. So, yeah, I'm going to yeah.
5: disagree. I think uh, I'm ready to push Martin out of the door. I'm happy everything he did for us, but the only ser- purpose he really serves on our team is um, on the defensive end. And he's kind of let us down there this year as well, but I agree. Wilson Contreras is one of the best offensive catchers. When you talk about who you want from that Cardinals team, it's, I mean, there's not really much, you know. I mean, uh, Nolan Aranato and Paul Goldschmidt. I believe Aranato's got a pretty big contract, so that's very unlikely. And um, I don't know. I, I guess the Astros would need pitching, so their best pitcher, I believe, is Jordan Montgomery right now. Uh, that'd probably be the, the way to go if you were the Astros.
3: Yeah, David, I was thinking the same thing. Jordan Montgomery, you know, Jack Flaherty, those type of guys. Uh, Jordan Hicks also out of the bullpen. throw his- consistently triple-digit pitches, Um, but I I do think it's very interesting the GM, you know, is the one to come out and say that they're selling. Uh, I really am waiting to see if uh, the Mets GM will make a similar call, Uh, the highest payroll in baseball history, looking, playing like garbage, Uh, so I think they should probably be selling too, but the fact that the Cardinals are selling, I I hope the Astros get in there and get, get a couple pieces to gear up for the end of the
1: season and the postseason.
2: I mean, truthfully, do I want anyone from the Cardinals besides Paul Goldschmidt? Nah, nah. I love Paul Goldschmidt. I got to give it to him. You know, truthfully, because, you know, when's the last time I watched the Cardinals? I don't know. know. The Cardinals are good, you know, got to give it up to Cardinals. My family's from St. Louis, so, you know, got to give it up to them. But, you know, I think – Personally, I think Nolan Arenado is a big contract, so I don't think I'd be able to get him at all. And wait, why would the GM say that they're selling? I feel like that's just a little... Uh, <laughs> yes, see,
4: that's, that's that's what makes it so interesting because we've never seen this, I don't think in any of the major sports, really, where the GM comes out and you know basically waves the white flag. You're supposed to always be competitive, and even if you're not necessarily being competitive... You still, you know,
2: go are the chances there. that bad that they have to pull the white flag out?
4: Well, they are not necessarily. I think they are fourteen or fifteen games under five hundred right now. So their season's <sighs> over. Their season's over, but still, you at least keep yeah. trying.
3: Something interesting: the the Met, I was talking about the Mets. Uh, Steve Cohen, the GM, whenever they started kind of going on their little skid and down to the, I think they're in fourth in the NL East now um he said not directly that they would be sellers he said we will be making big moves at the trade deadline so i don't know if that's big moves they're bringing in big people they're selling out big people probably the second um because they really have no chance you know maybe we can get justin Verlander back on the astros we could use him right about now
1: <laughs> i agree with that
2: <laughs> but yeah That was our talk on the MLB. I want to get a little bit of a debate talk now, something different. I guess this is, you know, we have some extra time on our hands. I want to hear, this could be controversial. If y'all need time to think, I understand. I want to hear your top five NBA players of all time right now.
4: LeBron James, number one, undoubtedly. If it's Uh, not your number one player, then this guy, you need to rethink your priorities. LeBron James, absolutely number one. I, I'm answering so fast, Justin, because I was just talking about this earlier today. So that's why that's why it's still fresh on my mind and everything. So, you know, number one, LeBron James. Number two, I'll give it to Michael Jordan. He's somebody who's been a great player. Number three, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Let us not forget, I think he has what, six MVPs, five MVPs. That's an NBA record. Number four. I'm going to give that spot to, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is somebody who, you know, changed the game of basketball forever as turn in terms of developing, the, developing the game worldwide and everything, you know, you can't take that away from him. And my fifth and last spot it's been, I've, <sighs> I, I got to give it to Magic Johnson. Greatest point guard to me of all time, you know, it's a lot of Lakers that I have in there. But...
5: I was just about to say that's
2: not – I mean nullifies the whole list.
5: Yeah, that's I don't know. You're a Lakers fan, too. I'd take that with a grain of salt.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Salt. So would it be dis- so would it be disrespectful to not put LeBron James in the top five? Hey, that don't ask
2: anyone else about to your top five. It's your top five. <laughs> but yes,
0: it you would be. I'll just say, no, I'm just, I'm just playing. No, for me, it's, oh God. Does it have to be in any order or does it, does it, does it have to be in any order?
3: I feel like the order adds the controversy to it. That's what makes it. Yeah.
0: Oh God. All right. Okay. Michael Jordan, number one, LeBron James, number two, Kobe Bryant, I put number three, number four. Not a lot of people don't talk about this guy because of what he's done in his career.
1: But Larry Bird at number four. Not a lot of
0: people discuss about Larry Bird and the impact he's made on basketball. Number five. (laughs) Oh, number five. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to hate me for this because to me, this guy is so underrated in every aspect of basketball. Literally had probably one of the best careers you could ever ask for.
1: Tim Duncan, number five. That's a W take. Man,
2: I, I, I
0: thought he was going to say it. Iguodala. No, uh-uh. You crazy. Uh-uh. No.
2: Number five,
0: above, I, I put him above Dirk. No disrespect to Paxton, but I put him above Dirk. I put him above Dwayne Wade. I put him above so many great. Paul Pierce. Tim Duncan to me deserves to be in the top 5. Not a lot of people agree with that, but if you talk about the career that he has had, all spent it on one team, five titles on that one team. So three-time NBA Finals MVP, you got to put him in the top 5.
2: be even more controversial than that. I mean, I feel like Tim Duncan's spot in the top 5 is more solidified than Kobe's.
3: No, 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 it's, it it's not is. a hot take. No. I, I, it's not no, but I, I buy that. I buy that.
2: But I still like your list. I like your list. Should I do it or Colton? You want to go? Listen, go I I'm All
4: offended right. that you didn't say that you like my list and you like Kobe's list. But oh list no, I like your list, list
2: too.
3: I believe, believe oh. me, I like your list. <laughs> about I'm, just I'm just
4: joking. I'm just joking.
3: All right, so I just kind of threw my list together based off of what was off the top of my head and then a couple things y'all said. Um, LeBron, number one. MJ, number two. A name that hasn't been said yet. Number three, the most dominant player in NBA history, DJ Diesel, Shaquille O'Neal. Absolute powerhouse. Uh, I'll put Kareem at four. And I was going to say Tim Duncan five as well, but since Kobe said it, I'm going to say the other guy I was thinking, and I'm going to go with Hakeem Olajuwon, all-time blocks leader, led those great Rockets teams, would have beat Jordan even if he was still playing in the league.
2: Dang he wouldn't have won right. eight in a row.
3: So I'll say Hakeem Olajuwon is fifth. Um, I hope Shaq's on another list and not just mine. Bro, how'd you take him out of my list, man? No, I mean,
2: everyone
0: can I agree to. with Shaq, though. I really do. I see where, where Shaq is involved in, in the top five. I really do. Yeah. Not a bad argument at all. I can't argue that. What I will say,
2: or David, did you go already? Or do you want to go?
5: No, I haven't gone, but I can go
2: after you. Go, David. Yeah. Go. Oh, okay. Um,
5: well, if I'm doing a Thomas-style list, I'll do James Harden, Yao Ming, Tracy McGrady, and Hakeem Elijah one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, if the if Rock doing, is starting
3: five, bro.
5: <laughs> if I'm doing my own free real don't,
3: list. Don't forget Steve Francis. Kobe yeah, left. Francis. Sure. Yeah, get I'll Patrick Beverly too when he played.
5: I'll, I'll, I'll do LeBron number one, Michael Jordan number two. Um, I'll probably have to throw Kareem in there. Kobe and Tim Duncan. Um, that's like a mix of uh, Thomas and Kobe's list right there. So that's my top five for sure.
2: Respected.
5: I'm glad nobody's putting any of these like Jerry West or Bill <laughs> Those guys played against Plumbers. I don't want to hear that crap, man.
0: Well, I mean, I said Bird. I mean, Bird wasn't. <laughs> it was bird bird, fans was, a, up bird there,
2: was a good bro. Plumber. That's it. Will um, Chamberlain playing against a team of pizza delivery drivers, man. That's great. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I said this
4: when I was debating with my friends some time ago, but to me, I mean, this was a, in a stage where I just despised Michael Jordan, but I said that Michael Jordan wasn't anything but a ball DeMar DeRozan. To be oh. honest with you, back in his day, DeMar DeRozan, I mean, hey, mid-range master, can't really <laughs> shoot the three.
0: Okay, You're defender. you me.
2: So. Bald DeMar Rosen.
0: <laughs> oh my lord Thomas. Hey man.
2: He might go mm-hmm. off and get that cut. He might go off in next year. No, um, what I'll say here's my top five. Uh Michael Jordan at one, obviously. Number two, LeBron. Of course. You gotta give your credit where it's due. Number three, Kareem, just because he won in high school, then he won at state, and then he won a national. I mean, he won the NBA championship. Come on. Uh, got to give credit to him. The guy had the, the scoring leader. He was a scoring leader for this many years without even a three-pointer. He had like three three-pointers ever scored by him or something. Come on, man. Took LeBron his whole career trying hard, holding the ball all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but uh, So Kareem at three, number four, you got to put it there. Uh, I got to give oh, – I wanted to put I, – okay, I have to. Hakeem one has to go four because I love Akeem. As much as I don't want to put him on the list because Colton already said it, I, it would be against my blood if I didn't. And then at five, I want to say Shaq, but here's the thing. I want to talk about the most impactful, the most game-defining player.
0: Please do match. not say Cat. No. Please
2: do
4: not say uh, Stephen
0: Curry.
2: No. Stephen
4: Curry. Oh, my God.
2: Stephen Curry, bro. Dang. Hey, I, I put Kobe on my list, didn't I?
4: oh man no i forgot
2: to put kobe i guess i messed up everyone oh. gets mad at me for okay listen here's my hot take Everyone, everybody gets mad at me for not putting kobe in the top five sometimes but it's like yes i know he had his clutch moments for sure but like this guy was injured the majority of his career let's be honest maybe we shouldn't have this talk it's too soon i guess to talk about kobe
0: but wait hold on hold on you said majority of his career for a good time of it, he was injured. No, don't you mean the late stages of his career?
2: Yeah, that well, I guess like, that's like if effective. you look at it, like
5: LeBron James. I guess I'm expecting
2: LeBron, problem. uh, LeBron length of career, but it's not going to happen. I like the Curry. I remember thing. when I
5: don't people know if he's to
2: compare Kobe and LeBron, that was funny. Curry <laughs> was a unanimous MVP, literally won it by no dispute. Changed the league overnight. Everyone was trying to get a guard that could shoot. Literally rev- revolutionized three-point play.
3: Oh, I agree to... with all that. I Curry. I don't know if I. I don't. Obviously, I didn't put him in my top five, but he's definitely up there. The best three-point shooter in NBA history. He argued – I. You could definitely make the argument that he changed the game as much as LeBron did when he came into the league, just with his play style. So I I respect the pick. I respect
4: it. No disrespect to Wardell, Stephen Curry, the second. But, I mean, come on. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Come on, Justin. you, You realize you just put Stephen Curry over the likes of Tim Duncan? I don't think I heard Tim Duncan in the top five, did I?
2: You know, it's just it just sucks that we're only doing five because I want to put Duncan and Curry in there somehow. But I can't I don't I don't have enough. I can't give up my Hakeem Elijah one. I mean, I mean the guy you
0: can, you the can guy put...
2: Hakeem Olajuwon, dropped 30 30 point triple doubles on people's heads while he was and he was anemic one and he was and during a quadruple Mar- double. I know, yeah. All, near quadruple double. And uh what do you call it? He was during Ramadan, like he wasn't even eating guy wasn't even eating he's Dude. going to sleep eating water waking up drinking water dropping 50 points drinking water i mean that's crazy
4: but stephen curry he with with respect to wardell i mean he has four championships <clears throat> thanks to kevin durant and yeah <laughs> I, I mean you know what? Has, i was only two of them but he has one finals mvp just one. Where, where
5: was Kevin Durant when they beat the Celtics, though?
4: Say what? Where,
5: where was Kevin Durant when they beat the Celtics, though?
4: Well, see, that year, there was a lot of people that was hurt. So, just like 2015, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just hating on them. But, you know, I just can't. I can't put Stephen Curry over Tim Duncan. I, I, they they I wouldn't have
3: had one of those rings if Chris Paul didn't get hurt.
2: Yep. <laughs> That's so true. And yep. that is perfect because that brings up the next question I was going to ask. Oh, Somebody didn't write down just because I want it to be controversial. Um, what do you think is more likely to occur? Chris Paul winning another – Chris Paul winning a championship or LeBron James winning another one before he retires? Which one's more likely? That's a tough one. Well, because
4: the way that the Lakers are currently constructed, I can see the Lakers winning it all this year if everybody can stay healthy. That's a big if, you know. And if, if everybody, everybody stays on the team. But
2: amazing. Chris Paul's is yeah. also on the team with, you know, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker.
0: No, no not anymore. Chris
2: Paul's on the Warriors now.
0: He's on the Warriors No now. way, bro.
2: I'm under a rock. Oh,
4: yeah. Oh, yeah. He uh, yeah, was part all, of he's uh,
2: he's
4: was with part the, the Bradley fifth trade.
3: It was the Bradley Beal trade. He went to Washington, and then he got traded to Golden State in the Jordan Poole trade. That's yeah. terrible. He's
4: playing with your fifth greatest player <laughs> of all time, Justin. Your fifth greatest player of all time is playing with Chris No, Ball. I think that was
2: a terrible choice by the Warriors. You think so? I, I would have talked about this if I would have known it. Why? Okay. <laughs> I don't know where I can. Okay. But I don't know. I feel like – they already had a great point guard. What's the point of getting a facilitator? And I guess I mean, Chris Paul. But I just know Chris Paul is just going to do this thing where he just he's great for the first forty-eight games, and then like next thing you know, it, he just steps on a a rock wrong on the way to practice and rolls his ankle. Well, I don't know.
0: But I mean, <laughs> just going back to that question, because to me, I think honestly at this point, I don't see Chris Paul being a starter anymore. Now that he's with the Golden State Warriors, I honestly don't see him as a starter anymore. Unless, you know, they go small and have Chris play the point and then Steph goes to shooting guard and then Clay is a forward, then maybe that could work something there. But as far as, you know, Steph being the main point guard of the team, I just don't think that's going to work. Because honestly, Chris Paul is at the stage of his career where, you know, he's made so many playoff appearances. And has not gotten far. And honestly, I think he's at the point where you know, if he has to be a role as a role as a bench player, then he might as well do that.
5: I think. Good luck throwing Chris Paul on the bench. I I don't. I know he's a team player, but I don't. I don't know if he'd want to do that. Like I don't know if he'd if if like that's that's very Chris Paul of him. You know, y'all remember when when Carmelo went to OKC and they like asked him about playing. It's a six-man, and he just, like, shrugged it off. That's kind of how I see the situation. I don't know. Yeah,
4: yeah, David, and I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I actually – he was asked about it on – uh some reporter asked him about him, if they had had conversations about him coming off the bench. And he said, you know, we've, like, briefly discussed it, but that would be something that Steve has to figure out in, uh, when the time comes during training camp and when the season starts. Crazy to refer to your coach by just Steve, but, you know.
3: (laughs) But, yeah.
2: I mean, I don't know. I think Chris Paul going to the Warriors could be good, could be bad. We'll see. I can't believe I didn't know about that. Must have been under a rock somewhere. It's just terrible. It's just, like, the worst news of the week, guys. It just ruined my week. I'm just kidding. Um... But yeah, any 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 random thoughts, any news you guys want to share, any sports news at all in y'all's world that y'all would like to share before we wrap up? Last well, time I mean, we had close
5: to the wall, the Astros were eight or nine games behind the Rangers. Now they're only two. So that's all I wanted to say for all the Rangers fans out there.
2: And by Rangers fans thank, you mean Thomas.
4: Thank you for that, David. Thank you for that. Well
2: one Ranger okay. fan in thank the you. state of Texas, Thomas Terry heard it
3: we'll add their news came out today that Jordan Alvarez and Jose Arquidi were both starting minor league rehab assignments starting tomorrow and should be back by the by the start of the second half Let's
5: and go. and one of one of the people in our front office has come out publicly and said that we are pushing for a starting pitcher in the trade
4: deadline so
3: Oh okay. Well, Shohei Tiny coming to the no, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 Alex, Alex Manoa from the Toronto
4: Blue Jays.
3: Alex Manoa from the South Florida Coast League Blue Jays.
5: I think Alec Manoa would be very good for our double A team if he wants to come over here. Yeah.
4: He's sure. you good. He's I gonna agree. turn into you guys' as ace. Come on now. You guys know it. That <laughs> 10 plus ERA.
2: Well, guys, I think that wraps up everything, wraps up the show for today. We appreciate y'all watching this episode virtually. Make sure and follow KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, our newly acquired Facebook page, and our YouTube as well. to Stay up to date with Texas State and San Marcos Sports News. But, yeah, for Thomas Terry, David Castaneda, Colton Gibson, and Kobe Jackson, we say see you later, and we'll catch you next time.